In today's episode of Men's Bible Study, Pastor John Mark Caton starts a new series entitled Summertime Blockbusters. John Mark teaches on the thought that you are free indeed and bases this message on John 8, 31-36. Now let's hear from Pastor John Mark. Well, all right, guys, good to see you and a uh, couple newbies here. Glad to have y'all as well. And uh, as we look, I want to encourage you to turn to John chapter 8 today. John chapter 8 today. Uh, and I want to talk to you, uh, man, Jesus in, is about, really about truth uh, as opposed to lying. But really the most, um, most important part of truth is really where do you stand with God? Where do we stand with God? In John chapter 8, uh, that's really what Jesus is, is talking about. He's in a dialogue uh, with, um, uh, with the Jews. And they're questioning who he is and where he's from. And he says, man, uh, I am the one who is sent from the Father. And they struggled with that. Uh, but if you look in all of John chapter 8, uh, the beginning of John chapter 8 is that story uh, of the woman who was caught in adultery. How many of you remember that? And they bring her to him and they begin to try to trick Jesus and say, you know, uh, the law says that we should stone her. And Jesus basically uh, uh, puts them in their place because they were acting as if they had no sin. And then Jesus enters into this long dialogue with them. And at the end of the day, uh, here are going to be our primary thoughts today. And they come from John chapter 8, verse 32, and then chapter uh, 8, verse 36. Here's what Jesus said. He says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then down to verse 36, he says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You know, as you think about the idea of freedom and truth and uh, what it means to live according to the truth and what it means to be truly free, uh, I read this quote that says, You know, a tru the truth may hurt you a little while, but a lie will hurt you the rest of your life. How many of you understand that? You know, the truth hurts for a while, but at the end of the day, it's the truth. But a lie will hurt you the rest of your life. And guys, as we think today about the words of Jesus, I want to encourage you uh, to be honest where you are, where you are in your walk, where you are in your faith. Uh, you know, we can all pretend uh, to be uh, followers of Christ. We can all pretend to be saved by uh, grace. But at the end of the day, I want to encourage you to really do a little bit of self-examination. Where are you with Christ? Has there come a time in your life, has there come a, a season in your life where you acknowledged your brokenness and your sinfulness and your separation from God and, and you've really uh, taken all of your sins to the cross and by faith trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? That's spiritually. You know, we can lie about that, right? Uh, but if we do, it's going to hurt us for all of eternity. We're going to be separated from God and I don't want that to be anybody in this room, either in this room or watching us on Zoom. Beyond that, uh, man, are there things in your life that, uh, that if people knew, if all of a sudden it was exposed, that it would crush you and break you? And so in essence, you're living a lie. Man, I just want to remind you with that, you know, the truth may hurt a little bit, but bearing a lie will hurt you the rest of your life. You know, we talk a lot in our country, and rightly so, about freedom because we are a place of incredible freedom. 
you know, in our countries. We are, uh, from its founding, it was all about freedom. It was all about liberty. It was all about religious liberty. It was all about having the opportunity uh, to, uh, uh, to pursue our dreams, to pursue our goals, to make money, to live freely. Uh, and inter interact with each other. But I want to encourage us today to think on those words. Jesus says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And my prayer today is that every guy in this room, everybody listening to this, uh, this message, that you are truly free, but you're truly free in Christ. I went to the uh, dictionary. Here's the dictionary definition of uh, freedom. It is the state of being free or at liberty rather than being confined. The state of being free or at liberty rather than being confined. You know, the reality of it is, since the creation of the world and the sinfulness of Adam and Eve, we have all been enslaved to sin, which in that state, enslaved to sin, we are children of Satan and separated from God. But I think we all desire more than anything else to be free from the confinement. That's why Jesus came. And that's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. That is as real today as it was when Christ was born over 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. Here, here's the next uh, definition. Uh, if you just look in the, de uh, the dictionary related to freedom, it says, the power of freedom is the power to determine action without restraint. The power to determine your action without restraint. That means I'm totally free. That means I'm totally free. We like that idea as well. But, you know, when we look at what Jesus says today, he says, you know, once you are saved, you are free indeed. But at the end of the day, we know there's some limitations, right? In our country, we all want to live freely, but we want them to live within some limitations, right? We want them to have all the freedom they want, but we also want them to stay out of our stuff. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, that's why we build fences around our backyards. That's why at night we close our garage door, because we want other people to have freedom, but we also want them to stay out of our stuff. In John chapter 8, Jesus kind of gets into the Jews' stuff. He begins to talk to them about their past, and what do they do? They lie. They lie about their past. We're going to see that here in a second. So as we think about what does it truly mean to be free in Christ, Jesus said this, man, you and I will only know true freedom when we know Him as Savior and Lord. As we think about this whole context in this passage, let me just give you some thoughts on freedom. First of all, when Jesus says, the Son is the one who will set you free, uh, just like in our country, uh, we have to be reminded that our freedom spiritually, just like our freedom as a country, came at great cost. How many of you know that? When you look back over the history of our country, there was a lot of blood that was shed for the freedoms that we have. There was a lot of blood that was shed for the uh, flag uh, that, uh, that we uh, just so proudly see and acknowledge and uh, say a pledge to a lot of blood was shed. Uh, a lot of men didn't come home to their wives. A lot of men didn't come home to their sons. A lot of ladies didn't come home to their families. We understand that because freedom ultimately isn't free. It comes at great cost. If you jump down and, and I'll just pull it up on the screen for you. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, here's what Paul says. He says, you have been bought with a price Therefore, glorify God in your body. Man, the freedoms that we have today, we need to understand in Christ, came at a great price. God looked at you and God looked at me and said, what is the price tag 
for me to buy John Mark back, to buy you back, to buy your family back. And man, we were bought, Paul says, at a great price. And if you have never accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, God has paid the price for you to be in relationship with Him. Regardless of your life, regardless of your past, regardless of where you are, God's already paid the price. That's the beautiful nature of the grace of God, is that you and I don't have to come to God, understand He's made the down payment, like on our house, and we've got to make the next 30 years of payments to ultimately find freedom and own the house. God says, I've already made the payment. All you and I have to do is come and simply, by faith, receive what God has already given to us. And so when you think about your freedom in Christ, don't ever take for granted what God has done for you. Why? Because He's bought you and He's bought me at a great price. Look at this next verse. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 19, verse 30. And by the way, the context of this passage, Jesus is on the cross. When you think about the price... The free salvation we gain, but the reality that Jesus paid it all. Here's Jesus on the cross. It says, so when Jesus had already received the sour wine, remember he said, I'm thirsty. He said, it is finished. What does it mean it is finished? That's an accounting term. It means paid in full. What was paid in full? The great price. The great price of what? The great price of your sin, the great price of my sin, the opportunity for us to come and freely receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Jesus hung on the cross, had already said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then he says, it is finished. Guys, here's the beautiful nature of where we all sit today, is that we don't have to pay a thing for our own salvation. We don't have to pay a thing for our own salvation. It has already been paid. It's kind of interesting. I've, uh, there, there's a joke that goes around my house. Uh, we've got a lot of weddings coming up at our house. We had My daughter was uh, married back in February. My son's going to be married here September the 12th. I've got another daughter that's going to be married next year, which means uh, I am getting to pay a lot. It also means that in every opportunity I can, I'm choosing the payment plan. How many of you know what I'm talking about? From the DJ to the florist to the wedding dress I just put a down payment on. I mean, I am putting everything on the payment plan. Here's what's even worse. Because of uh, one of the one of my children getting married uh, in the season of COVID and no one would come over and we couldn't get together much, that means that every day I walk into my own house and guess what is on my front porch? A package or multiple packages. And here's what I've noticed. None of those packages are ever for me. <laughs> And it's been a big joke in my family for the last year is I just keep telling my family, someday I want to walk in my front door. I would love to see a package on my porch that says, to me. You want to know what my kid's response to me is? Order yourself something, Dad. <laughs> so all you got to do is order something. And my response to them is, I can't order me something because I'm on so many payment plans for your stuff, right? But good and kind and nice people are buying them blenders and pots and pans and all of those things, and they're being shipped to my house. Here's the beauty of it, guys. 
When you leave these doors today, there is a package for you. Where you sit today, there is a package for you. And that package has already been paid. The beautiful thing about those packages they open up from people who love my kids and love our family is we've yet to have one of those packages be opened up for Jace or Taylor or for Jensen or Jake or ultimately Jordan and Jordan. No one has said, hey, I made the first payment. There are seven more left. They know when they open the package, it's theirs. And guys, where you and I sit today, there's a package that has been bought and paid for. And all you and I have to do is open it up. And the question is, have you opened it up? Now, it requires something. It requires us to be honest about our lives. That we are broken. That we are sinful. That we can't save ourselves. That we are separated from God. But because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross when he hung there and says, it is finished, that we understand that means paid in full. Now, if you continue to read on, notice what he says. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Think about that, guys. In your brokenness and your sinfulness, in all of your failures and all of my failures, God still looked down from heaven and said, you're worth it. Has anyone told you that lately? You're worth it? I don't know where you feel like you are in your station in life. I don't know if this has been a tough season when you walk into your office, if you don't feel like your boss appreciates you, if there have been a time recently where your boss or somebody in HR has called you in and basically let you go and kind of said, you're not worth it anymore. I don't know if you've been in a relationship over the last couple of years where someone in your relationship looked at you and just said, you know, it's just not worth it anymore. Anybody been that season? Man, have there been times in your life where you thought, if they only knew, if they only knew, would they still think I'm worth it? Can I tell you that God looked down from heaven at every one of you guys and said you're worth it? Before you ever committed a sin, before you ever took a breath, before you ever took your first step, before you ever did anything in your life, God looked down from heaven knowing everything about you and said you're worth it. And God's one and only son, when he willingly was delivered and handed over into the hands of sinful men, was thinking about you and said, you're worth it. When he allowed them to mock him and spit on him, place a crown of thorns on his head, he was saying, you're worth it. When they were forcing him to carry his own cross to his own death, Jesus was saying, you're worth it. When they laid him down and drove those stakes through his wrists and feet, he was saying, you're worth it. When they stood him up and dropped him in that hole and his flesh ripped, he said, you're worth it. When he said he was thirsty and they gave him something sour to drink, you know what Jesus was saying? You're worth it. 
when they gambled for his garments at the base of the cross, you know what Jesus was saying? He was saying, you're worth it. When he looked into heaven and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was saying, you're worth it. When he said it is finished, he was saying, you're worth it. When he bowed his head and gave up his spirit, he said, you're worth it. So guys, if you ever lay in your bed at night and you wonder, am I worth it? Don't ever forget. That answer's been given. It's in capital letters. Yes, you're worth it. And Jesus throughout his life just delivered one exclamation point after another exclamation point after another exclamation point saying you're worth it. So guys, as we move into this series this weekend, I'm not okay. The truth is none of us are okay, right? The first thing we're going to talk about this weekend is that we're all broken. We're broken by sin because we're separated from the God who created us. Guys, today my prayer is that everybody will be very honest about where you are with God because God has been very honest about you. He said, in spite of your sinfulness, in spite of your brokenness, in spite of my sinfulness, in spite of my brokenness, God declared with an exclamation point, yes, you are worth it and you've been bought with a price so when we think about freedom don't ever forget that freedom isn't free just like the freedoms we have in our country aren't free man our freedom in Christ isn't free and notice this next kind of thought our freedom in Christ ought to create within us a dependence on Christ I love what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. He said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty in which Christ has made you free. There's that word again. And do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. You know what Paul was saying? Although we are free, we're totally free, we've been forgiven. Uh, as men, uh, we have a tendency to lose sight of our ultimate calling in God. And we have a tendency to get entangled again in the things of this world. Don't we understand that? We have a tendency as men, even when we understand we're forgiven by God, to get entangled into those past sins, to go back to those old bad habits, those old ruts, those old difficulties, those old things that we used to do. We have a tendency to go back. And man, I want to encourage us today when we think about the freedom that we have in Christ as children of God, as men of God, to whatever we do, hold fast to where we are. Man, if you think back on your spiritual growth in the last year, how many of you, just in your mind, I won't make you raise your hand, how many of you have made some strong and good spiritual progress in the last year? The last month? The last five years. Those are great things. 
How many of you, how many of you feel like, man, I, I don't know that I really made any spiritual progress. This is why I didn't want those first guys to raise their hand. How many of you think you might have drifted away a little bit? That's why Paul says, hold fast, guys. As men, we've got to stand firm in the freedoms that we have in Christ. That means we've got to be dependent on Christ. That we need to constantly spend time in God's Word with other men to be challenged, put ourselves in the right places and the right spaces so we stay on the path of honoring God and ultimately fulfilling His ultimate call for us. Why? Because we're worth it. Man, if you've got a secret addiction or a hidden sin that no one knows about, do you know that God still says you're worth it? You say, Pastor, yeah, if I were to stand up today and we always ask that joke, hey, tell us something we can use against you. Hey, everybody in this room has something that could be used against them. How many of us know that? Everyone in this room. And if there's someone in this room or looking on Zoom that says, you know, I really don't have anything I can, that can be used against me, that can be used against you. Because <laughs> we all know you're a liar. We all have something. Man, if all of a sudden it was all opened up and every thought and every desire and everything in our heart, if it all was known, there is something to be used against you and God's response has been settled. You're worth it. But the encouragement is, man, now that we have the freedom that we have in Christ, we want to do exactly what Paul says, to stand firm and stand fast in the freedoms we have in Christ. Don't ever, men, don't ever use your freedom in Christ as a license to sin. Don't ever, ever, ever use the fact, the reality in God's Word that all of your sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. Don't ever use that as a license to sin all the more. That ought to be a challenge because we have already been told that we're worth it to stand firm, to press on, to become more and more pure and more and more holy and say, God, I, I, am, I praise you, God, that I'm not where I used to be, but God, because of your grace, I know I'm also not where I'm going to be. How many of us understand that? My prayer, guys, if, if you thought in your, your mind a few seconds ago, man, I am grateful for the spiritual progress I have made over the last year or the last month. My prayer is you never get content with that. You never say that's enough. Because praise God, Jesus didn't pay for some of our sins and say that's enough. I'm going to say that again. Jesus didn't shed just enough blood to pay for our, some of our sins and then say that's enough. Jesus paid for all of our sins. He didn't say that's enough. He said it is finished. And so you and I, we need to understand in our spiritual growth, in our own journey, in our own walk, for us to truly be free, we've got to stand fast in the freedom that we have but always look to desire to press on, to move forward. Because listen to this next thought. Our freedoms in Christ are always limited. Our freedom in Christ is always limited. You say, where do you see that? Look at Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 13, just a few verses down. He says, you are my brothers. You were called to be free. But don't ever, ever, ever use your freedom 
to indulge in the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. Man, when we think about the freedom that we have in Christ, the fact that all of my sins have been forgiven, my, all my sins past, present, and future, that means that Satan would love to lure us into a mindset that says, man, I have trusted Christ as my Savior and Lord, which means I can go out and indulge in my secret sin, and it's forgiven too. You know, it's, it's interesting that even in Paul's day, there were those who said, hey, perhaps we should go on sinning that grace may abound. How many of you have heard that? You say, boy, I would never say that. But do we live that? See, I think we're all pretty spiritual. None of us would roll out there uh, and say, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and commit this sin because I know God. We won't say it, but we'll live it, won't we? I've been there. But I love what he says here. Paul says in verse 1, stand fast, hold fast in the freedom that you have. But then verse 13, he, he says, listen, whatever you do, you are called to be free, but never, ever, ever use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, instead, serve one another in love. It's kind of interesting. There, there is a negative and a positive there. He says, listen, don't ever indulge in the sinful nature. If you and I are left to our own thoughts, our own desires, our own decisions, and our own heart, we are going to be drawn back into our own sins. How many of you know that? The only answer for a dude, the only answer for a man, is that if we're going to stay where we are and advance in our faith, is we've got to do something. How many of you know that? That's the way God created you and me. And Paul gives us the answer right there. Serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. What is he saying? The more you and I commit to serving other people in love, the more we're going to stay out of trouble that we can create for ourselves, and the more we're going to pursue God and His righteousness and His love. You know, the first thing it says, serve one another. Let me ask you a question. What have you done for the other dudes in this room in the last couple of weeks? What have you done for some of the dudes in this room the last couple of months or the year? Man, we, we've got a church here. What are you doing for people at the church? Not for you, but for others at the church. I mean, one of the best things that you and I can do is make a commitment that I'm going to serve this church in love. I'm going to serve God in love. Man, this summer we've done a number of things. We had fun with the sun over the weekend where we deliver backpacks uh, to, to kids who are in need. We did a lot of work. You know what we get out of it? Zilch. Nothing. We built a house. Paid for it all, built it out, some of y'all helped. Then we moved it down to South Texas. We rebuilt the house, gave it to someone. You want to know which, who on staff or who in our church lives in it? Nobody. But you know what we know? The more we serve others in righteousness and serve others with our energy and our activity, the more we grow in faith and grow in walk. So here's the deal, guys. If you are sitting here and you're struggling with a secret sin and Satan always is able to lure you back in, one of the best things you can do is place your, replace your inactivity with activity. 
replace, if you've got an addiction, replace some of your alone time with some together time. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's exactly what he's saying right here, is that you and I need to understand that our freedoms in Christ are certainly free, but they ought to be limited. I don't want, I want to limit myself and my actions to activities that grow my faith and challenge me to walk and serve others and avoid those activities that simply feed my fleshly nature. Look at the next verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He says, be careful, guys, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. So when I serve others, I want to know that I'm serving others for my benefit, but also for their benefit. But beyond that, I don't ever want to be a stumbling block for the weak. You say, Pastor, who are the weak? Well, I don't know who are the weak in your, in your life. Our kids. We can be a stumbling block for our kids, how many of you know? Our families. Our neighbors. People we interact with. That we can be a stumbling block for somebody else. It's not that uncommon for me to have a conversation with someone as they're coming back to church. We're so blessed as uh, we, we've been. We have had over a thousand first-time visitors come to our church since January. That's a bunch. It's not that uncommon to talk to someone, and they're longing right now as we come out of COVID and the isolation and the loneliness. They're looking for relationships. They're looking for answers. And more and more, we're, we're being reminded that Washington, D.C. isn't going to provide the answers. The CDC isn't going to provide the answers to life's ultimate questions. It's just not. And they're longing for, quite, longing for answers, and they're struggling. And you know what? It's not that uncommon when someone says, I've been away from church for a while. And you say, why? They say, well, somebody hurt me. Somebody did this. Somebody did that. Now, I want you to know I'm also wise enough as a pastor to know a lot of times that's just an excuse. But a lot of times it's not. Is it someone who walked in faith, professed their faith, hurt them, did something to them? What happened? Is someone who should have been more mature became a stumbling block to someone else who was weak? And so, guys, we want to limit our freedom. We want to voluntarily say, hey, first of all, I'm going to limit my freedoms to those things that feed my flesh. I'm going to say no, and I'm going to serve one another in love. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure in everything that I do and everything that I say, I'm not going to be a stumbling block to someone else who is weak. Man, that's true freedom. True freedom is when I stand up and say, yes, I could, but I'm choosing not to. See, that's actually true freedom, right? Yes, I could, but I'm choosing not to. If, if someone says, man, I, I, I want to, if, if they struggle with alcohol, let's just use that. Someone struggles with alcohol. And they say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and blow up my marriage relationship. I just want to be single. That way I can go drink, and I'm free to drink every day. Is that real freedom? Let me ask you a question. If you're an alcoholic, are you free not to drink? 
If you're not free not to drink, then you don't have freedom. You don't have freedom from it. And guys, there are times in our lives that we develop these sinful patterns and these sinful habits, and we kind of, kind of, kind of listen to Satan's lie that you're free to do this. Let me tell you what, true freedom is not doing it. Because if you can't stop, you are not free. If you can't stop, you're not free. So the freedoms we have in Christ are also limited. Man, God's already looked at you. God's already looked at me and my brokenness and my struggles and my hurt and my heart. He said, I'm worth it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus looked down through the history of time at John Mark and said, you're worth it. He's already said it. He goes, not only are you worth it, I'm going to pay for it. And all you have to do is receive it. But then for me, my response needs to be, man, I have received the freedom in Christ, total and complete forgiveness in Christ. But I also want to understand that my freedoms are limited. Limited to what feeds my flesh I have to say no to. So I can have the energy and the effort to serve one another in love. And part of what I do when I serve someone else in love is I make sure that what I do and what I say never becomes a stumbling block to someone who's weaker. And that ultimately is true freedom. When we live our lives for others, we become more like Christ. See, because at the end of the day, Christ-likeness is all of our goal. Do you guys know that, being more and more like Christ? It's your call and it's your goal. It's my call and it's my goal. Well, how did Christ live his life? Sacrificially, lovingly, and for the benefit of others. Sacrificially, lovingly, and for the benefit of others. So what do you and I do in our lives? Would someone say about you, man, they live sacrificially. Would someone say that about you? When they just look at you, they know you're generous, they know you're kind, they know you're gracious. You just sacrifice for the benefit of others. If, if others looked at you and just say, you know what? That's just a loving dude. He's a good dude for the benefit of others. And then say, you know, that guy could probably get away with a lot more. But he chooses not to because he cares about those who are weak. Man, that's an incredible thought and a challenge that, yes, when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. But that freedom comes at a great price. And that freedom is also limited. Let's jump back and let's notice a little bit more of what Jesus said. Uh, he, he said it sets us free. I, I love this idea that the best evidence of our faith, Jesus looks at the Jews right there, and he says the best evidence of your faith, in John chapter 8, verse 31, the best evidence of your faith and my faith is my faithfulness. I'm going to say that again. The best evidence of my faith is my faithfulness. It's not my words. It's my faithfulness. You say, where do you see that? Look at it in John chapter 8. This is in the context before we get to uh, the verses we read earlier. This is what Jesus said. To the Jews who had believed in him, 
Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then he says in verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So how did Jesus start that? He says, you who have believed in me, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. The best evidence of your faith is not you sitting here today. I just want you to want to say that again. The best evidence for your faith is not you sitting here today. It's you sitting here next week and the week after that and the month after that and the year after that and the year after that, after that, after that. Now, if God transfers you more than a billion miles away, you don't have to come back to get to heaven. But do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, listen, if you hold to my faith, the teachings of Scripture, that's the best evidence of your faith. If you are faithful in serving and sacrificially loving someone, not today, and today's a good thing, but tomorrow and tomorrow's tomorrow and going on down the line, the truth is I love what Jesus said. He says, listen, the best evidence of your belief is that you hold to the teaching." That's how you prove you're really my disciples. It's when you say, man, I've trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. I am committed to live my life sacrificially. I'm going to live my life for the benefit of others. I'm going to lovingly care for and serve others. And I'm also going to do everything I can not to be a stumbling block for someone else. And I'm going to hold to that, not just today, but the rest of my life. That's the best evidence of our faith is that you say, I'm in today, and the rest of your life, you say, I'm in. Man, what an incredible testimony that would be. And guys, I'm just sitting here looking in your eyes, and I want you to know, if just the men in this room and the men on Zoom made that commitment right in here in this room, we would change the course of this church. God has blessed our church in some amazing ways, but I'm telling you, just the men in this room, if you truly made a commitment, if we truly made a commitment together to live sacrificially for the benefit of others, lovingly serving others, and not being a stumbling block, we could change the direction of this church. You could change the direction of your neighborhood. You could change the direction of your office. To such, a, to such a, a level that it would be noticeable because of God's grace. But here it is. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if he says, if you believe in him, because Jesus was surrounded by some Jews who said they believed and some who said they didn't believe. Jesus even had one of his disciples, Judas, who said he believed, but he ultimately didn't believe. He says the best evidence of your belief is holding on to your faith. Jump down to verse 33. Look at John chapter 8, verse 33. Notice what Jesus goes on to him. And he says, they answered and said, hang on. We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that you're going to set us free? So what was their response? Jesus said, if you believe in me, I'm going to set you free. Their response, we've never been slaves to anyone. Ding, ding. Let's think back over the history of Israel. Anybody remember Egypt? Anybody remember the Babylonians? 
right then and there, they were having a conversation and they were subjects of the Roman Empire. Can you imagine the eternal smirk on Jesus' face? You've never been slaves to anyone. And you claim you're Abraham's offspring. Jesus had to have smirked. Let me tell you what. These guys had such incredible denial that their lives and legacies weren't so bad that they ignored the obvious. These guys, I'm going to say it, had denial so bad that their life and their history and legacy wasn't filled with slavery and failure. And they looked at Jesus and said, we're totally free. Now, I don't know about you, I, I listened to that, and I have to think Jesus had to have smirked, don't you think? Jesus had to have laughed. Really? that you're going to totally deny that you were slaves in Egypt. You're going to totally deny that the Babylonians blew you away. You're going to totally deny you're not even living under self-rule right now. The Romans are giving you a little freedom to do your own thing. But as soon as you don't do what they want you to do, they're going to come in and wipe you out. And these guys looked at him right in the eyes and said, we've never been slaves. And you and I look back and go, that's ridiculously funny. But here's where we're going to close. Is there one guy in this room that's looking at Jesus today right now and telling him the same thing? I've never been a slave to sin. I'm okay. Jesus, I don't need you as my Savior. And guys, if there's one guy in this room that is telling Jesus you don't need him as a Savior, that's not ridiculously funny. It's eternally sad. And as your pastor... From time to time, I just sense that God wants me to confront every man in this room with the realities that we are all slave to sins, separated from God. But if we are in Christ, we are free, and we are free indeed. So here's how I want to close. I want to invite every man in this room to bow their head. I want you to be real honest. And if you're on Zoom, I want to encourage you to be real honest right now. Have you been playing the church game? Have you been playing the church game for a long time? And the rally, realities are, you've heard the salvation story, but you've said over and over again, another day and another, another time, there'll come a day when I'll trust Christ as Savior and Lord. There'll come a day when I truly give my life to Christ. Can I just encourage you with this? I truly believe there might be a man in this room or a man on Zoom that today is that day.
that you stop looking into Christ's eyes and saying, I don't need you. Because we all do. If right now, between you and God, if you just want to get it settled right now and know the Son and know that you are free indeed, I want to encourage you just to simply pray this prayer. God, I'm tired of lying. I'm tired of denying. I'm tired of waiting another day. This is the day. That God, even though I don't think I'm worth it from time to time, over 2,000 years ago, your son Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and said I'm worth it. God, I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day because I'm worth it. And I receive Jesus as my Savior and I make him the Lord of my life today. I receive the gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And all of us need to pray this prayer. God, the rest of my life, I am willing to hold fast to the faith. I am willing to live sacrificially for the benefit of others. And I'm going to do my best to not be a stumbling block to anyone in my community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. That's cottonwoodcreek.org.